I actually felt God. Uh, I actually felt God speak to me last Saturday on this message, and as I sat on the on the porch, uh, and I just reading the scripture, and I was actually just doing some study, and I felt the Lord speak to me out of what I'm going to bring to you this morning, and uh, because I believe it addresses the need people have in their hearts for hope. Um, what you initially set out for doesn't always work out <laughs> as you hoped it would work out, you know, from even just a very trivial point of view. Yeah, a lot of young guys dream about having a, a flash car when they grow up, but how many people here are you driving a, somewhere along the line, your dreams of having a flash car took a dive? Or maybe it hasn't. Maybe you've got one. <laughs> but every person in their heart has a need for hope. And the thing about hope is this. Sometimes it looks like it is lost. And people everywhere are looking for places or looking to something to fill the void inside of their heart and, or, or they're looking for something to, to restore hope inside of their life. The scripture, the story I want to bring out to you today is the story of Joseph and the story is found in, uh, starts off in, in, in Genesis chapter 39, uh, Genesis chapter, Genesis chapter 37. And Joseph, as a young man at 17 years of age, had, a, had, had some dreams. It's likely he had three dreams, but the Bible speaks specifically of two dreams. And his dream as a young man was to be great. He shared that dream, and his brothers became envious of his dream. And it says here in verse 11, it says, so he told his dream to his, father's, his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you dreamt? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come and bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but this, but his father kept the matter in heart. I'm not going to. I'm not going to unpack this. But this whole this whole story of what's happening here is just is absolutely phenomenal. So Joseph, he finds himself rejected by his family, rejected by his father, rejected by his brothers. Finds himself in the deep in the deep pit and sold as a as a slave. Now, when you when you look at the story, now this is. When I, when I unpack the story for you, it's got nothing to do. It's got nothing to do about uh, bad mothers and bad fathers. It's got nothing to do about Egyptians. It's got nothing to do about any particular country or anything like that. It's got nothing to do about women. And when you look at a scripture like this, because the reality is none of us here are Egyptians. I don't think so. Um, but when you, whenever you read a story like this, whenever you read and open up the scripture, the best way to unpack the scripture is to look at in this particular case is to look at it symbolically. In other words. It's not that the fact that they're Egyptians, but that the fact is, uh, who am I in that story? What does this people group, or what is, uh, how does this symbolize what's happening in my life? And so one of the things that the Bible says is that Joseph finds himself in a pit, has a dream of greatness at 17 years of age, he finds himself in a hole, betrayed and rejected by his family. Every person faces rejection at some point. You may have a dream of greatness, but you'll find 
Whenever there's a dream of greatness, whenever there's a dream of wanting to do something great, you'll find that there's always somebody that will try and peg you down. The, the, the road to greatness is not plain sailing. <laughs> the road to greatness, there's pits in there, there's rejection in there, there's a whole bunch of things. And one of the things you find is that, that Joseph finds himself a long way from home and finds himself as a servant to Potiphar in Egypt. So Joseph is serving, the Bible says that he, he started to do well in part of his house. He found a degree of success and he started to become successful. But here he was, it still doesn't negate the fact that he's under the impression that his father doesn't love him, he's rejected by his family, but yet he still had this promise of greatness inside of his heart. Next thing you know, he finds himself in part of his house, out of the dungeon and a long way away in a place called Egypt. And then in part of his house, Potiphar has a wife. We don't know his name, don't know her name, but we know it's part of his wife. And the Bible says that she developed an eye for Joseph. She developed an eye for Joseph. And she started to long for Joseph. She started to pursue Joseph. She wanted Joseph. She wanted Joseph for herself. One of the things I find is this. The whole idea of part of his wife is this, that on the road to greatness, when it looks like hope has been lost, when it looks like your life, when your life has experienced ups and downs, and when you find yourself in a place where you're almost lost in Egypt, all of us on the road to greatness, all of us at some point in our life will experience the call of part of his wife. Part of his wife had an eye for him. And I can tell you right now, young people, when God has got a, his mark upon your life, you will stand out to people. There is an enemy that has his eye on God's people. There, is, well, there are demons that have an eye on God's people, on God's beloved children. And you'll find that there, there is always part of his wife in the, in, in, in the spiritual sense out there looking and got eyes for you, wanting you. And so the Bible says this, that Joseph, it says these words, and, and, and part of his wife said these words. He said, he said, she said, lie with me. And you look at, you, you look at those words. It was a commanding voice that she spoke to him. In other words, when Joseph was an emotionally difficult space, here is this beautiful older woman, comes with a strong voice saying, lie with me. One of the things you'll find is that the voice of the world can sometimes have a very strong pull to it. The issue is this. The issue is one of false fulfillment. That's what I mean by metaphorically speaking. It's not nothing to do personally with part of his wife as a woman. What it has to do with this is that when people's hopes have been lost or where people are in difficult places, people are always looking for a comfort for their soul. And wherever you look, there is always the, a voice out there. There's always the voice of Egypt, the voice of part of his wife saying, 
Give yourself to me. In other words, give yourself to me. I will give you comfort. I will give you fulfillment. In other words, you've got to understand who this woman is. She is the, vo- she is the wife of one of the, uh, of Potiphar, who was, the, uh, who was the guard of the house in the palace. In other words, she was a powerful woman. So here is his opportunity. It looked like the opportunity to get ahead, but, another, but it wasn't. It actually was a temptation sent to destroy the destiny of his life and also the people of God for generations to come. All of us, to a certain degree, will face the call of Potiphar's wife. All of us will have times in our heart where it looks like hope is lost. And just like this young rugby player who, 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 committed, his, who committed suicide, suicide, drugs, they, at one sense, they look like the way out. In other words, when suicide has a voice to it, it's not just a thing, it is a spirit. It's a spirit of death that comes around people's life. And in one respect, you'll find that pot of his wife is still just as real today as it was back then. That's why so many people commit suicide. People, this young guy here who committed suicide, he had hopes and dreams. He was in a broken space. He faced rejection. And here came a voice saying, here's the easy way out. Come and you'll find fulfillment. Come and you'll find satisfaction. Come, here's the way out. You'll find that drugs will do the same thing. You'll find that abortion is do the same thing as well. There is always the pull of false fulfillment. People everywhere are looking for a life of meaning and a life of fulfillment. Maybe you're here today and you've gone through some challenges. I want to tell you right now, there will be the voice of Potiphar's wife speaking and calling to your heart, saying, come, give yourself to me. Just one drink, it'll be fine. Just one cigarette, just one puff, just one this, just one of that. You'll find that people try and find hope. People try and find fulfillment in all sorts of things. They look okay. They look like the way out or they look like the path forward. For Joseph, having a relationship with part of his wife could have very looked like the path forward for him. But if he took that path, he would have surely ended up in death. And his death would have affected generations. It would have affected his family. It would have affected, it would have had a worldwide effect, as you can see in the course of his life. So we see part of his wife, all of us experience that at some point. But it says when Potiphar's wife was calling to him, it says this word, um, the, the, the Bible says this word. It says, he refused. He refused. When you look at the translation of that word, it's spelled, let's, can you just bring it up in, this, up in the screen? The word used is vaymayen or, or mayen, and it's spelled uh, m just up here, M-A-apostrophe-E-N. The word refuse, that's how the word is spelled. One of the things, just in a sideline, one of the things that you notice about uh, Scripture is this, is that the Old Testament or the Torah 
was meant to be, it was written, and it's supposed to be interpreted as a song. So it's never meant to be read as a script. So when you look at that, he refused. It looks like when you read the script initially, that it's just like, oh, yeah, there's a beautiful woman. She said, lie with me many times, and then he refused. I want to tell you, it's, it's not like that. Whenever you read the Scripture, Scripture, especially the Torah, was meant to be written as a song. In other words, uh, the way it wasn't just written as a text, but when you read the words, it's written the way a song is written. In other words, it has emotion to it. It has feeling to it. And when you see this particular uh, apostrophe there, in a, in a, it's called a connotation in, in terms of a song. In other words, when a, when a, when a, a connotation is in a, in, a, in a song context, it's kind of like Jaws. It's the sound of Jaws, like, you know, when, when the shark comes and it's like, dun dun Every time there's a movie when somebody is about to face an option, somebody is about to face something that's dramatic or, or life-changing, I can guarantee that the music will also always sound like this. So if you were to read that line of, and Joseph refused, if you were to turn that into a song, that's exactly how it would sound. And it would build, 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 build. And then all of a sudden you'll find that Joseph snapped out of it. He refused after hearing the, you've got to imagine for this guy, he's in his heart, he's thinking, shall I, shall I not? Shall I, shall I not? Shall I take the cigarette? Shall I take this drug? Shall I, shall I take this bottle of whiskey? Shall I take this? Shall I go and spend it? Shall I do this? Shall I take my life? Shall I not take my life? Shall I take my life? Yeah, you could take your life, then it'll all be fixed in your family. No, don't take your life. And then all of it, you'll find that there's this wavering going on inside of his soul. And I want to tell you right now, there are times when I feel in exactly the same boat, that I know there's like there's a wavering coming inside of my soul. I can feel a voice pulling me this way. You all know what I'm talking about. Shall I, shall I not? Shall I, shall I not? Shall I go and give my virginity away or shall I not? Shall I hold on to it? Shall I give myself to this or shall I not? And you'll find this is what is actually going through Joseph's heart at the same time. Shall I give myself, uh, look, I'm broken. I'm, I'm, and, and I know I've got a greatness, there's greatness inside of my heart, but there's this. He refused. One of the things you find also is that people, you find that in people's life, even with sports, you'll find the pull of family, the pull of spending time with your wife, the pull of spending time with your own emotional, and then this pull of the sports team. You'll find the same thing with the gangs. There's a pull here, but in their heart, they feel they need to go this way. Everywhere in life, business is the same. People try and find it in business. People try and find it in all the wrong things. There's always part of his wife out there pulling, come this way. Your life will be fulfilled if you give yourself to business. Your life will be fulfilled Look, your, your wife's going to be really happy if you've got lots of money. <sighs> no, actually, she needs me there. I give my life to work. <laughs> Can you understand that wherever you go in life, you'll find that people are looking for a sense of comfort and they're looking for a sense of fulfillment. 
And they look to all these places. There's always part of his wife out there. Maybe she is calling to you. Again, I'm not trying to tell this in a, in a, in a, in a, against females or anything like that. It's, it's a spiritual context that you'll find that every one of us will have that waver that's going on inside of our heart. Do I come to church or shall I stay at home? Shall I, I've got to do this. No, I'm going to go this. You'll find that you'll, people get themselves into wrong relationships. They know jolly well that they shouldn't be doing that. But there's another part of their heart saying, if you have this relationship, if you just enter in this, then all your wildest dreams, then you'll be fulfilled. But then you'll find that actually that's not the case at all. The fact is that you've got yourself into a wrong relationship now and it's altered the course of your destiny. Oh, come on. Shall I hold on to this offense? I'm fairly well justified in holding on to this offense. Well, actually, I know that actually, no, no, oh. You'll find that there is always a shaking in our spirits like this, and options. He refused. He made a decision. Nope. I'm setting my course this way. I have to ask myself, what must have been going on in Joe? What must have he experienced at that time? I mean, you've got to admit, that was a pretty tough That's a pretty tough call to make. What was it that took place inside Joseph's spirit that caused him to say no? Because this is the pivotal point in this whole story. If he said yes, the whole, ch- the whole history would have been rewritten. Not just his life, but his brothers and his family. He became the father of, of the nation of Israel. If he said no, if he said yes, everything would have been different. This happened because of a pivoting point in this story. The word mayen, he refused, only appears three times in the book of Genesis. The first time it is used is that time. He refused. He refused to be comforted by a false comfort. He refused to give his soul into something that had the allure of fulfillment but didn't. There was something inside of his spirit that just said, no. There's only three times this word is used, in the, and, and all of these three times are used in relationship with Joseph. So you find that, back the story up a little bit, you find that Joseph had been sold as a slave, so he started to head off this direction in Egypt. Back to the pit. The brothers went back to their home. And they, this is a whole kind of interesting thing, is it? But they find we're going to have to tell our dad something. And so what they did, they got the blood, they, got the, they, they took his coat and they dipped it in the blood of a, of a goat. And then they went to the father and said, Father, something is really terrible happened to, to Joseph. He's gone. Interesting in this, it wasn't just the fact that they murdered or they sold his son, they sold their brother. But one of the things you find is this, they found a legal loophole 
in order to get rid of, the, of responsibility. Because the, 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 the laws of Moses simply say this. There's a whole bunch of laws in terms of, that Moses gave in terms of how you, how you to live your life. And one of them was if you were in charge of your, your neighbor's bull or, or, or his livestock and you lose it, then it's on your fault. You, it's up to you to restore restitution. But in the event that the livestock that you look after is taken by a wild animal, then you are relieved of all responsibility. So basically, they knew that scripture. So essentially, they came back to their father and said, look, your son has been taken by a wild animal. In other words, they found a, a really good excuse to relieve themselves of what they had just done. The Bible, saying, the Bible says this, that, his, that Jacob's, brother, Jacob's family, his sons and his daughters, the very ones that jolly well put his son into the pit in the first place, all came around him and said, sorry, Dad. But there's a thing that Joseph's dad said. As they're all trying to put this false sense of comfort on him, in one sense, he sees the evidence that his son is gone. But in another sense, he's saying, ah, no, I, I, look, something in my spirit's telling me something different. The Bible says this, that Jacob refused to be comforted. He refused comfort. In other words, he also, it's the second time in the book of Genesis that this word is used, he refused. In other words, he refused, despite of all the things that were in front of him, in spite of all what people said, in spite of the physical evidence that appeared to be in front of him, his spirit said something different. It's kind of like a judge being, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in a court case where all the evidence suggests what, that, the, that, that the person is innocent, but... The judge just knows, but he can't do anything about it. He just, but something in your spirit knows that it's not right. The Bible said that he refused to be comforted. In other words, it wasn't a fact of just get your arms off me, but it was a different comfort. It was something else that he kept alive in his spirit was this. And one of the things I started to look at was this, that at the very the use of the same word is no coincidence. And I believe this, that at the very moment Joseph is in Egypt being tempted by false fulfillment, being tempted by false comfort, what he doesn't know is this, that over here, his father, very likely at the same time, is making a decision and saying, mm -mm -mm -mm. I don't care what you tell me. I don't care what you show me with your, anything else. My spirit is telling me something different. My spirit is telling me, my boy ain't dead yet. My boy ain't dead yet. My, the boy's dreams aren't dead yet. Sure, he's a cheeky little fella. Sure, I got a little bit angry with him, but I, uh, no, no, he ain't dead yet. 
He refused to be comforted. He refused to come into an agreement with what was happening perceivedly around him in front of him. I believe this, that there is something about the the prayer, there is something about the declaration of faith of a mum and a dad. When it seems like everything is lost, somebody over here refused to give up hope. You can see this dynamic happening in other places in the Bible. In, in, in the book of Kings, where there's a famine in the land, and the prophet said, this time tomorrow, things will change. So, so the prophet said, this time tomorrow, things are going to change. There's going to be hope coming to the world. Over here, completely out of earshot, in a completely different geographical location, a bunch of lepers were sitting there thinking, and one of them all of a sudden said, Ba-ding! why do we sit here until we die? Tells me this. There was something that happens in the spirit. There is something happens in the spirit when somebody over here decides, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it, what it sounds like, that I will not give up believing. I will not give up hope. I will not give up on the promises of God. I will not stop believing for my son. I will not stop believing for my daughter. I will not stop believing for my grandson. I won't stop believing. I know, but sure, some things may look like that, but I will, there is something in my spirit tells me, and it's not a fantasy, it's not a complete denial, but it is something in my spirit tells me that hope is still alive somewhere. Jacob's decision to hold on to God's purposes and Joseph's dream shifted the atmosphere in a different geographical location over Joseph's life. When Joseph's destiny was about to fall this way, the the, the faith of his daddy, even though he was an angry fella, the faith of his daddy, daddy wasn't perfect, but what daddy did was this, daddy still held on to his son's dreams. Interesting as I was reading, The thing is this, as I started to look further into this, that Joseph had actually, at this point, forgotten about his dreams. Because the narrative goes later on in Genesis chapter, Genesis chapter, um, Genesis chapter 40, 42, verse 9. Joseph all of a sudden has a another aha moment, and he remembers the dream that he had about them. One of the things you find is this. Sometimes it's easy to forget about the dream. Sometimes it's easy to forget the prophetic words that God has spoken over your life. I know different ones here. You've had prophetic words spoken over your life. You've forgotten them. Prophetic words. You're gonna be an apostle. You're gonna be a great pastor. You're going to do well in business. You're going to succeed. You're going to do great in life. I'm with you. Many of you have had words like that. You find that as you go through life, as you walk in Egypt, you find that sometimes dreams are lost. Sometimes the pain of family, sometimes the pain of rejection, some of the times the pain of being in a dungeon, sometimes the pain, you forget 
the dreams. This is where I felt the Lord spoke to me. Who was it that remembered that dream? Joseph had gotten. But all through this time, it was his father that held on to his dream. The Bible says that, in the scripture he says, but, 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 but Jacob took these things into mind. The definition of that was this. Although he was really angry with his son for the dishonor that he had perceived dishonor that he had spoken, there was something about his son's dream that was implanted in his heart. That's what fathers do. Aren't perfect all the time, you know. Sometimes I get angry. Sometimes I get upset. Sometimes you might do that. Mums, you might get upset. You might. But I tell you this: one of the things we do as fathers, one of the things I believe that we are called to do as fathers and parents, is to hold on to the dreams, hold on to the destiny of the people we have our young ones in our heart. In Genesis thirty-seven, verse one. And verse 11, the word, the, the, the actual word used there is called shamar, S-H-A-M-A-R, which means he guarded. In other words, it can say this. Yes, although there was some, it was a tense situation going on, his father became the guardian of his son's dreams. He was ticked off with them. One end, he was ticked off with a little rat bag for being so cheeky. For being, don't you be talking about your mother like that boy. Don't, be, don't you be thinking that sort of stuff. This is what's going on inside Jacob's mind. Don't you be carrying on like that. You're a cheeky little fella. You just keep your, you keep your trap to yourself. But there was something in his spirit that captured his son's dream. There was something in his spirit that captured his son's greatness. And even when Joseph himself had forgot about it. His dad held it in his heart the whole way through. This was the reason that Jacob couldn't be comforted. He couldn't accept that Joseph, the dream was dead. When false fulfillment, when false comfort threatens to overcome Joseph, there was something that shifted inside of his heart. I couldn't even tell you what it would be. But something must have come and brought him into his right mind again. Joseph, there's greatness inside of your heart. Don't do that. Don't give yourself to that. Don't give yourself, Joseph. I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe in you. Yeah, you're a cheeky little brat, but boy, God believe in you. I made you that coat and you annoyed me and you, heck, you, know, you annoyed your mother and you just but I believe in you boy. Because his dad stood up because his dad stood in faith gave strength to another generation to say no. You see, we all need somebody to hold on to the greatness in our heart. All of us do. 
It's not always about the singing. Singing, all that's great. Come and worship. But actually, we all need somebody to hold on to the greatness in our hearts. Every one of us do. Yeah, we might be a bit cheeky and a bit mouthy at some point. There's the weaknesses. But aside from all that, there's greatness in every person's life. Some people here need to know that you're a great mother. Greatness comes in different expressions. Sometimes there's, there's people that are solo parents. They're doing the best. They're great in their own right. Why are they? Because despite of all the stuff that they had to go through, they still believe in the best in their kids. They hold their kids' dreams inside of their heart. And that's why we need somebody to come around and solo parents. Say, you're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. Oh, lo- where's Lola? <laughs> come here. You want to see this one here? The other night she was just, she had um, a little baby with her. And, uh, it's like, oh, no, not your baby. But what she was doing was she was standing with a new mum in the church, believing in her, believing in the kid. That's just as strong. It's the greatest prophecy is coming from the pulpit here. The fact that somebody would hold another mother in the heart and say, here, let me just look after your kid. Let me give you some space. It's a great woman. Friends, we all need somebody to hold on to the greatness, to hold on to the dreams in our heart, to remind you, God called you as a prophet. God called you as a great mum. God called you as a great dad. God called you into that space. It's what fathers do, but that's what families should do. Families should never sell our brothers and sisters out, no matter how cheeky they may look, <laughs> no matter how cheeky they may sound, no matter how wild their dreams may be. We've got to hold on to that and say, yeah. Like I remember, I remember young Joseph Nisbet up here running around. He holds the record for the only one to be able to escape for the preschool out there. More than once. But you'd look and say, hey, here's a boy that's got greatness in his heart. In the same way I saw Joseph, I also see other young people here. A little bit cheeky, a little bit colourful. But actually it's my job, just not just as a pastor, but as a family to hold on to their greatness to create an environment where people can come and not be sold out sold into a pit but create an environment where people can come and find hope in their dreams that they wouldn't have to find false comfort somewhere else that they wouldn't have to find fulfillment in drugs that they wouldn't have to find fulfillment in anything else except one in Jesus Christ and his family.
That's why coming to church or not coming to church is just about you or your experience with the Lord. The destiny of the person next to you may well be carried in your heart. Your words of encouragement, your gift of hospitality, your touch in somebody's life, your touch, your words, could very well be the game changer for that person's destiny. And who knows how far that destiny would shift. Also the opposite. Being harsh to somebody. Belittling somebody. It's just giving somebody, just trying out something new. Mocking them for it. Could cut their destiny just like that. I've seen teachers just cut people's destiny, potentially cut people's destiny because of the words that they spoke. My heart is this, is that basically would be a place where the Josephs of this world would not be sold into a pit. But the Josephs of the world, the Josephs of God, come into an environment where their colorful coat is welcome, their big dreams are welcome, their cheeky voice is welcome. And we'll be secure enough to say, you go for a boy. You go for a girl. I'm not here to be jealous of you. You're going to go through things in life that may cause you to forget some things. But I'm here as your family. I'm here as your brother to remind you that there's greatness inside of your heart. I'm not so worried if you've made some mistakes in your life. It doesn't matter, that adds to the colour. <laughs> you may even have a little bracelet on, doesn't really matter. <laughs> Shows you a little bit, a bit of a rascal somewhere. Well, whatever, we've all been there. Your coat may have many different colours on it, it doesn't really matter. The fact is, be who God's called you to be. And if you're here today, and if you feel like you're in a hole, if you feel like hope is all lost, I'm here to tell you today that the God of all hope never forgets. Never forgets. One, we have a wonderful Holy Spirit. The Bible says He is our counsellor. He is the comfort of God. That whenever we feel rejected, see, I've struggled with this too. The times when I feel broken, I feel like, People are being mean to me. <laughs> Things haven't worked out or whatever. I feel like I'm in a bit of a hole. I feel like I too as a pastor have part of his wife that reaches out in a different way. That's why I need the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, help me. Help remind me, Holy Spirit, of what you've called me to be. There are times when I got into situations where I've shouldn't have been into that situation. And I'm so grateful for the Lord that in the midst of that, there was a little prompting, David, you're called as an apostle, you're called as a, called a pastor. Mine's clear. Grateful that I've had a, a praying father 
praying mother. Even when it looked like the boy was... Stop the tape. Somebody was praying. Call him forth as the man of God that you called him to be. Call him forth as the daughter. Call him forth today in Jesus' name. Son, I believe in you. Daughter, I believe in you. For me, personally, God spoke to me about as a pastor. It's kind of like, well, that's your job, David, to be guardian of the greatness that's in the people that are around you. And together, we'll all be great. Together, we can become a nation that touches the world, that changes the world. Why don't you just close your eyes? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love for us. Thank you, Father, for the beautiful coat of many colours that you've given to your body and given to every person here, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are the author, the perfecter of our life, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the greatness that you put in every person here. You know, you are made in the image of God. God is great. You are made in His image. There is greatness inside of your heart. Lord, I pray for every person here, Lord, your Holy Spirit would remind them that your Holy Spirit would speak inside of their hearts right now to remind them who they are. Son, daughter of the Most High God. Father, we thank you that we are truly your sons and your daughters. Father, we pray, Lord, that where people have lost sight of that, where people have lost hope, where people today have been tempted or lured by the voice of Potiphar's wife. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that that spirit will be broken over their lives in Jesus' name. Come Holy Spirit. Father, I pray right now for those whose souls, whose, whose heart troubled right now. Lord, maybe the facing things in their life at the moment, trying to chase things that are just false comfort that just leads to death. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are the comfort of God. Holy Spirit, would you move in this place? Holy Spirit, would you restore dreams? Holy Spirit, would you bring to remembrance the prophecies that have been spoken? Would you bring to remembrance the greatness? Would you bring to remembrance today, Heavenly Father? goodness that you've placed in every person in this place in Jesus' name. Father, we pray today, Lord, that your church, that Bay City, will be a place where dreams come true, will be a place where people of all colours, all backgrounds, will discover the greatness that's inside of their heart today in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray today that you would use us to bring hope to restore hope, to restore dreams, to restore greatness in the people that are around us, not just in this place, Lord, but in our places of work, in our schools, our businesses, their employees, employers. Lord, let this be a place that restores hope to people's lives in Jesus' name. Lord God's people said, Lord God's people said,
And let's just stand here, I'd love for us just to worship Him right now. Worship him just for a few moments. Come on, he's a good God today. or put your hand on the shoulder, whatever's appropriate. Yeah, just. Don't want any shouts of... Ah. And that person that you're holding on to or touching or, or not touching, whatever, the person next to you, there's greatness inside of their heart, there's dreams inside of their heads. There's a whole bunch of awesomeness in there. And they're just trying to, their best just to do the right thing. The person next to you might be a, a dad, a husband, a mother, or a partner of someone, whatever, whoever, it just doesn't really matter. Wherever they've come from, wherever, it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day is this, there's greatness inside of them. I'd love for us to, just as the body, just to pray for the person on the left and the right of us. Encourage them. Sometimes people just need to know, hey, you're doing good. You're doing good. I know you're a new mum, but I want to encourage you. You're doing a great job. I know you're a dad that doesn't really have any good father models and you're just trying to do the best that you can. Man, you're doing a great job. I'm so proud of you. You're making it, doing a great job just setting a new model, setting a new, building a new home for your family. You're doing a great job. You might be a mum, you might be a grandfather. Whatever you do, just pray for the person next to you. Come on, just pray for the young people. Pray for the person next to you. Pray for them. Pray for them. Come on. You haven't got anyone to pray for you. I am praying for you right now. Touch Holy Spirit. Touch Holy Spirit. Lord, let your presence wash over this place this morning. 
Strengthen people's hearts today, Lord. Strengthen people's hearts. Strengthen their spirits, I pray in Jesus' name. It may look like things are going bad, but I know, Lord, that with you, when we put our faith, when we put our trust in you, that we shall never be put to shame. Other people may have sold us into a dungeon. The people that should have loved us, but sold us. Lord, I pray for those people today, Father. Lord, let your presence come and touch their lives today. I call you forth as a prophet. I call you forth as an apostle. I call you forth today as a mama. I call you forth as a dad. I call you forth as a musician. I call you forth as a business leader today. I call you forth today. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Let not your heart be troubled, but be filled with strength today in Jesus' name. Lord God's people said, come on, all God's people said. All right. Don't forget to come next Sunday. Minister Sandy Kirsten will be bringing the word. It will be absolutely outstanding. So come early, come expecting. It's going to be a great time. God bless you.